You're listening to the Redeeming Grace Church podcast. For more information about our church, go to rgcrc.org. Paul wanted nothing more to do with him, not going to bring him along. Barnabas wanted to bring him along. And the dispute was so great, they had to go their separate ways, and they formed two missionary teams instead of one, which worked out really well. And years later, uh, Paul again considered John Mark to be very, very valuable to him. And I think God used both Barnabas and Paul in the life of John Mark. Barnabas continued to accept and encourage him, gave him a second chance. Paul gave him the kick in the pants that he really needed at that time. God used both of them, but really different personalities. In this bucket of challenges labeled the problem of us, we also have different perspectives. Crying babies in church, is that a sweet thing? Don't raise your hands. Or is that an awful thing? (laughs) Different perspectives, right? Dressing up to go to church. One guy dresses to the nines to come to church to honor God, and then the next guy has to dress up all week, and he knows God loves him, so he takes great delight in dressing down when he comes to church on Sunday. Different perspectives. Should a church have a beautiful building, or should it meet in a nice museum like this one? Coffee, should we have coffee in the worship service, or is that unholy? Should we vote? How about donuts in the worship service? Oh, I could tell you stories, but I won't. Different perspectives. In this bucket of challenges labeled the problem of us, we also see people with different purposes for churches. Two questions that churches should wrestle with again and again. What is our church for? What is this actually for? And who is this church for? So there was a big survey done in the 1990s, and it found that most of the church members surveyed said, my church is for me. Most of the pastors surveyed said, my church is for the lost. It's for reaching the people who aren't here yet. Well, you'd better believe you're going to have difficulties if leaders, followers have such radically different perspectives on what their church is for. So in truth, people come to churches and join churches and keep old churches going for different reasons, to show off, to exercise control. Some people want to be a big fish in a small pond. Some people view their church as just a source of friendships. Some of us come because it makes us feel good. My point is, we have all kinds of challenges in this bucket labeled the problem of us. Can we overcome them? Yes. And that'll be next week because we're going to see the church, what it looks like when we are really overcoming these challenges. That'll be the fun part. But that brings us to, and I'm not sure this made it, this heading made it into Uh, the notes that are in the bulletin, but you can put it in there. And then there's the problem of me. There's a problem of me, okay? So we're considering us as individuals. Now, you know I'm going to talk about sin, right? 
But before I talk about sin, I want to talk about another significant that we, problem that we have, and that is our ignorance. We're just plain ignorant, you're saying, speak for yourself, Brian, and I, I am, I am speaking for myself. But if, if we think we are not ignorant, then we are really ignorant. So we start out life ignorant of all the factors that I just talked about, all that, all that stuff in that bucket. We don't understand each other. We don't understand life. We don't understand relationships. We don't understand conflict. We don't understand ourselves. I remember uh, what a shock it was when I started working as a nursing assistant at a hospital. I was 20 years old. I was so ignorant, and I was shocked by diabetes and alcoholism and mental illness. I was shocked because I was so ignorant. Now, I told you before that I was, I was shocked when my church split in two when I was 21 years old. I was so ignorant, so it was really shocking to me. And I remember how shocked I was when I got married at 22. This is where you poke the person sitting next to you. Because I was so ignorant, I had no idea how hard it was to actually be married. I remember our pastor counseling us said, now, when you fight, and we both sat there thinking, fight, we'll never fight. Yeah. I remember how shocked I was at 28 when I became a church planting pastor. I was so ignorant. I had no idea what I was getting myself into and the realities of being a pastor and how hard it was. And I remember how shocked I was at 35 when I became the full-time leader of a parachurch pro-life ministry. I was so ignorant of newspapers and TV stations and activists and so many so many things. And I could go on and on and on and on and on. Fortunately, now that I'm 70 years old, I'm really wise. Right. The truth is, if I make it to 75, I'll probably look back and say, I was so stupid when I was 70. You know, I just found these notes that I shared in Rapid City. Oh, my goodness. And that's life. And that's just the problem of ignorance, foolishness. My greater problem is my sinfulness. And I think Jeremiah 17.9 says it better than any one verse in the Bible. It says, the heart is deceitful beyond all things, more deceitful than a praying mantis or a Venus flytrap or a snake. The, heart, the human heart is deceitful beyond all things and beyond cure, humanly speaking, that is. Who can understand it? And the answer is in the next verse. God can understand it. And only God. I can't. He knows the depth and the breadth of my sinfulness better than I do. I think if He showed it all to me at once... I couldn't stand it. We are capable, and I mean us Christians, we are capable of doing the wrong thing while believing with all our hearts that we're doing the right thing. And we are good at fooling others, and we are even better at fooling ourselves. So at 34, I resigned from a church, 
And I thought I was doing it in a classy, godly way. It took years <laughs> to figure out that I hadn't done it in a very classy, godly way at all. Wow, that's scary, and it should be. So last week we saw from Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul making this statement, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. And I told you that I really wrestled with that. How can, how can everybody think that everybody else is better than everybody? And, and I think the answer is that as, as we see God as being as holy as He really is, and we see ourselves as sinful as we really are, we're going to think like the Apostle Paul, I must be the worst sinner on earth, and everybody else is better than me, so I'm going to treat you like you're better than me. I will be washing your feet at the door on the, on the way out. Just kidding. Okay. Here's where we look at James Three. Would you look at James 3 with me? You thought we'd never go there, but here we are. James 3, and you need to know, this James is the half-brother of Jesus. He is, most people think, kind of austere, very serious, very godly, very holy, and very Jewish. He's very steeped, I think, in the book of Proverbs. They just kind of ooze out of him. And look at what he says, James 3.13. Who is wise and understanding among you? He does not want you to raise your hand at this point, so, so don't do it, okay? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom, which sounds like the book of Proverbs because in the book of Proverbs, the essence of wisdom is knowing that you're a fool. And the essence of foolishness is thinking you're wise. And that sounds just like James. Let him show it by the humility that comes from wisdom. If you're wise, you will be humble. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, bitter envy, I think bitter because it feels bitter to to envy others. Envy is, you've got it, I don't have it, I want it, it's making me miserable. Selfish ambition. Ambition is good, selfish ambition is bad. If you have these things, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom, in my translation, wisdom is in quotation marks, which means we're understanding he's saying such so-called wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, it's unspiritual, it's of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there they are again, there you have disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, peace-loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's full of mercy and good fruit, it's impartial and sincere, Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. And then we'll roll right in here. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, that battle within you? He's right back to envy and selfish ambition. In chapter 1, he had said, don't say your temptations are coming from God. They're not coming from God. They're coming from your own lusts. 
They're coming from inside. Ooh, that's us. So you want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, James. We don't kill people. Not in the church. But I think maybe he means when we want people out of the way. We want people gone. We despise people. We hate people. We're malicious toward people. You know, we want them to die young. <laughs> you kill and you covet. There's that wanting what you don't have again, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. The biggest problem in my life is my sin. I mean, the biggest problem in my life, if you're going to be my psychiatrist, is my sin. And that's why we read from, or we heard, reading from Romans 6 this morning, where you have the same depiction. Sin makes big promises to you. It promises you freedom and fun, and what it gives you is slavery and death, right? Biggest problem is your own sin. We learn from 1 Corinthians chapters 1 through 3 that sin problems are exacerbated in churches when we fail to grow up. And to grow up, as depicted in 1 Corinthians 3, is to let God conquer the unconquered, ugly areas of your life. Let God deal with them and grow you and make you like Jesus. Again, the book of Proverbs shows us that our sin problems are exacerbated when we fail to listen, listen really, really well to each other. Listen with compassion. Listen with empathy. Again, James would say in chapter 1, everyone should be quick to, excuse me, got to get this right. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry quick to listen. So we're talking about the challenges to our unity. We've looked at two buckets. One bucket labeled the problem of us, and one bucket labeled the problem of me, and there is a third bucket which we won't spend much time on, but it's called the problem of Satan. So we know from 1 Peter 5.8 that he prowls around looking for someone to devour. So here it is, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around. Your enemy is not the person on the other side of the room. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And he doesn't just go after individuals, he goes after churches. He really wants to go after young, fun, exciting, exuberant churches and mess them up. He has his schemes. Look at 2 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. The Apostle Paul said, if you forgive anyone, they'd had a problem with a guy in their church at Corinth in Greece who um, had done something awful, and then the church forgave him, and some weren't forgiving him. And Paul said, if you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive... I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. His schemes. One of his schemes works so well 
that he seldom has to use any other method. You know, in, in basketball, if you can do the post-up thing, throw the ball into the huge center, and he can dunk it, and you do that over and over again, why do anything else, right? Just keep throwing it into the center, and he keeps dunking it. In football, if you can run the ball up the middle and get five yards on every play, why do anything else, right? So the devil's favorite play is called divide and conquer, if he can get us to fight each other, we take each other out. I'm going to use a big theological word here, but that's just really dumb, isn't it? Right? So Galatians 5, here's the Apostle Paul warning another church. He said, if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Some of you uh, heard me quote my old pastor who said, every church has within it the seeds of its own destruction. Every church has within it the seeds of its own destruction. The picture here is two Christians or two camps of Christians doing Satan's work for him. Which brings me to an Irish limerick, if we can get the picture. Thank you. It's the only Irish limerick I know, but here it is. There once were two cats of Kilkenny. Anybody know this? You know this? Okay. There once were two cats of Kilkenny. Each thought there was one cat too many. So they fought and they fit and they scratched and they bit, till except for their nails and the tips of their tails... Instead of two cats, there weren't any. Now you kids are thinking, well, that's dumb. Two cats can't eat each other up. But somehow, two Christians can. That's a scary thought. Here's how this works. So two people are going at it. Or two camps are going at it. Last week we looked at, or was it the week before, Euodia and Syntyche, two great ladies in the church at Philippi, but they were going at it with each other. And so we say bad things about each other, and we hurt each other, we wound each other, we get bitter, and what I've seen to my, to my great dismay a bunch of times is they both drop out. They leave the church or they leave the church, period. They stay home and listen to preachers on the radio. They take each other out. Please don't take each other out. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Please don't do that. Please pray that God will enable us to meet these challenges. Please pray with me. And here's what I, I'm going to ask, and I'm going to ask you to ask with me. We're going to ask for the wisdom to be humble about our ignorance. We're going to ask God to help us understand our differences. Make us students of people, students of people. We're going to ask God for the wisdom to be humble about our sin and our need for the Holy Spirit's help, His empowerment, His guidance. We're going to ask God to make us wise 
to the devices, the designs, the schemes of the devil. And we're going to ask God to make, keep us from becoming bitter, angry, resentful, proud, ugly, old people. I want to be, some, someday, I'm not old yet, but someday I want to be old and sweet and soft and squishy, not physically, that takes care of itself. I want to get better, not bitter. Amen? So, two ladies in the nursing home. I've worked in nursing homes. Two ladies. They're across the hall from each other. Mrs. Jones, I'll probably offend somebody here. Mrs. Jones has had a hard, 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 hard life. But she is so sweet. I mean, her call light comes on and the nursing assistants argue over who gets to go down to her room. And then Mrs. Jones across the hall, she also had a hard, 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 hard life. And she is so bitter and nasty, her call light comes on and the nursing assistants draw straws and the loser has to go down to her room. You know what I mean? I want to be like Mrs. Smith. I want to get sweet. Will you pray with me? Pray with me. Father, would you give us the wisdom to really grasp just how ignorant and foolish we really are. So we seek help from people and we seek lots and lots of guidance from you. Father, help us to get really good at understanding our differences with other people that they're, they're mostly, they're just surface, they're just flesh. Everybody's like we are down deep. But help us to get good at understanding people. Give us the wisdom to be humble about our sin, to understand how much we need the Holy Spirit's help in our lives. Help us to be wise to the devices, the designs of the devil. And Father, please keep us from becoming bitter, angry, resentful, proud, ugly. As the years roll by and whatever happens to us, please make us better, not bitter. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Redeeming Grace Church podcast. For more information about our church, go to rgcrc.org.